That's right, drum solo. Hello, welcome to a very special episode of me talking Weird Al to you, the only podcast that wants to talk to everyone in the whole world about Weird Al Yankovic. I'm your host, Dakota Rimmer. How you enjoying this day, this beautiful Friday? Is this Friday? Who knows? You're listening to this whenever you want to. I shouldn't assume so much, and I apologize for that. I am literally less than a minute in and already apologizing for things. That's my middle name. Apology. Dakota Apology Rimmer. And that's who I am. I'm your host, Dakota Rimmer. Special episode. This is a good one because, um, listen, if you run a podcast whose sole purpose is to talk about Weird Al Yankovic and Weird Al Yankovic-related things and then other things according to your whimsy and or ADD, there are a few specific people that you would want to have on that podcast. And I believe that I got one of them. Like, Number one would be Weird Al, right? I mean, the um, and I think number two would be a tie between Doctor Demento and John Bermuda Schwartz. Now I don't know if you've looked at the title of this episode. Perhaps you're one of those people who <laughs> who have your podcasts set to autoplay, like when one goes off, the next one comes on, and you haven't pulled out your phone yet. And I implore you not to. Don't pull out your phone. I want you to be a hundred percent surprised, supplies by what I'm about to say. Um. We got the latter of those two, of those two in the number two spot. That's right. We got John Bermuda Schwartz, baby. Let me tell you, this is a this is a, a this is a kind of a big deal for me. I'm putting on airs right now, like I'm, like I think I was about to go into a character, but to be honest, it's kind of a, an actual really big deal. Like I never thought. I don't know. I don't know, John. If you're listening to this, you're probably thinking this weird, this little weirdo is freaking out about some weird internet conversation that we had. Uh, but it is a big of a deal, that big of a deal to me. Like, I, I mean, it's crazy. We're doing this thing. This is a legitimate podcast. Legitneth. All right, so we talked to John. Um, I didn't sit down with him directly. He's in the throes of preparing for uh, Alpocalypse Tour. That's This isn't that old of an episode. Um, Mandatory Tour Part 2, 2016 version, dude. And so I'm sure he's very busy with that, as are all the members of the band. And so what we did was, uh, through chatting with him via email, um, he'd said, if you can record, or if you can send me questions, I will record my answers and send them back to you. So that's what we did. So um, if it seems a little bit informal or unpersonal, I guess is a better way to say it, it's because impersonal. I just realized the word is impersonal. If this interview seems a little impersonal, um, it's because I sent him questions that I wanted the answers to and hopefully hadn't been answered before, uh, at least not according to my research. And then he recorded his responses and sent them to me, and now I'm talking to you, telling you that these are the answers to the questions. You'll hear me ask the question and then hear him answer it. That's how interviews work, everybody. I don't have to tell you how things are done. You're all smart. You're Weird Al fans. Or you're just listening to this podcast because you like to torture yourself. Listen, if you're here to listen to this podcast because you wanted to torture yourself because you hate Weird Al and you hate John Bermuda Schwartz and you hate all things good in this world and you hate me, Dakota Rimmer, and you hate Weird Mountain and this whole podcast network, then you're doing a great job because I can imagine that this is horrible to you. But why are you such a particular person? One time, a long time ago, and I've probably told this story, I used to work at a factory, and I'll get to the interview in a second. I'm so so sorry. (laughs) Every time I listen to a, a podcast for a specific guest and the host does this really long 
a really long monologue before getting to the good stuff. I'm just like, freaking talk to the star. I didn't come here for you, you twat. <laughs> I apologize for my language. One time a long time ago, I worked in a factory, and um, I was listening to Weird Al on headphones, and somebody said, hey, what you listening to? You know how you do to people. And I was like, oh, Weird Al Yankovic. And a lady, lady, who was not even in the conversation, overheard us, and not even trying to hide it, she said, he's a hack. You know what, lady? You're working in a factory, okay? I don't want to hear it. Now look where I am. I'm not in that factory anymore. I bettered myself. I moved from a factory to a warehouse, and I think that's pretty darn special. Warehouse manager. Maybe, someday, CEO of Weird Mountain. If it becomes like an LLC or something, that'd be cool. I don't know how business works, everybody. I did not get a degree in business. I got a degree in life from Life U. Class is enrolling now. So let's go to this interview of, um, by the way, I didn't edit any of what I just said out. If you thought, man, he's taken out all the times when he stopped and decided to actually get back on topic. No, that's just literally my brain doing what my brain does best. And so I just click from one thing to another like that. I'm fast. Like a cheetah. Um, Here's me talking to John indirectly, sort of. Um, And I hope that you enjoy this. Uh, My particular favorite question is going to be one of the ones near the end. We all know, hardcore Weird Al fans know that he is sort of the um, historian of all things Weird Al Yankovic. And so I asked him, like, what's some of the interesting things in your collection and stuff? And that's towards the end because I know how to... I know how to make a compelling interview and get you to stick around. So I saved that question for near last. Anyway, enjoy this. I send you now over to me asking John the first question, and I'll talk to you again at the end, bro. And sis, everybody. John, we've talked about the early days of Al and in Dr. Demento's studio and how y'all met and stuff, but I want to know personally, what was your first your true first reaction upon meeting Weird Al at Dr. Demento's studio, and then like after the recording of Another One Rides the Bus, where you played with him in the studio and would eventually become the album cut. How, how, what was your impression of him? Well, I had known who Al was. Uh, he was already a staple on the Dr. Demento show. In fact, I think I probably already had the My Bologna single. So I was, I guess I was a bit of a fan. It was kind of cool to meet him. Um, you know, he's, he's smart. He was a nice guy. He was funny. Uh, he was cutting up in the studio, you know, uh, uh, behind the scenes and, and during commercial breaks and stuff. Uh, he's just naturally funny guy. Um, so after we did uh, Another One Rides the Bus, uh, a little later that first evening, um, I said, uh, you know, I thought it was great fun. And, and uh, not sure why, but I said something like, uh, well, you need to have a band. I'll be your drummer. And he said, okay. And here we are. Were you immediately on board with the whole concept of being a drummer in a comedy act, or were there reservations? Did you have other potential options at the time? Well, I don't know if I really considered that it was a comedy act so much. I was just thinking about the drumming, of course, about the musical aspect of it. Um, you know, certainly it, it's funny. You know, certainly there's comedy. Certainly there's satire. Uh, but what I do and, and what I expected to do was really just play drums. I just thought that would be great fun. You know, you might as well enjoy what you do. Uh, you know, I was in some other bands at the time in LA and, uh, you know, I mean, nothing that, that I thought ever had the potential of Al and, and, you know, nothing that ever did, but, uh, you know, I, w- I was busy around town. I just, this seemed like something else to do. And, and it turned into something a lot more than just a little something to do it turned into a full on career. At what point did it hit you that this would be your career? 
Were there ever any doubts along the way? Uh, I don't know. I mean, probably by the 90s, it was pretty evident that we were here to stay, uh, you know, and, and that there was still more to do and that there would be a future of some sort. Uh, you know, you never really know for sure at any given time how much longer it's going to go on. Uh, so I suppose we had our doubts, but, uh, you know, and even now with a number one album and a world tour and, and uh, you know, things being bigger than ever, uh, you know, you still never know how long it's going to go on. But as Al says, um, you know, the fans will let him know when it's time to quit. So, so far, so good. Most Weird Al Yankovic fans know that he doesn't accept parody ideas from fans, but what about from his own bandmates? Well, Al does basically all the writing himself. I mean, the, the parodies are, are uh, you know, of course we know what the music is on the parodies. Uh, you know, he writes the lyrics basically by himself. He might run something by us, you know, do you like this word better or this line better or something like that? Or or if, uh, you know, he'll make a reference or something in a song and he'll he'll ask just to get a little bit of a barometer whether it's going to work, you know, do you do you know what this means when I say this, you know, this phrase or whatever, this, uh, this word? Um, but, and, and on the originals, you know, we have a little bit of input on, uh, on the uh, music. I mean, in terms of what we do, you know, Jim's a better guitar player than Al is. So, you know, Al leaves a lot of that stuff up to Jim. Al leaves a lot of the stuff up to us in terms of, you know, what we should be doing. But he certainly writes all the melodies and, uh, you know, he knows what he wants. And lyrically, again, you know, we really have very little input on lyrics. He might ask us, you know, if something's funny or not, but... Uh, you know, certainly we don't contribute anything that would count as a writing credit, you know, or, or anything we could really point to where, you know, we could say, oh, I, I wrote that line for, or I came up with that word or something like that. It's, it's you know, it, it's a very minor part of what we do. Typically, how much time is there between Al bringing a song idea to the band and the finished result? On the originals, it, uh, it varies. I mean, it could be months, you know, two, three, four months, because uh, there's normally... In, in the course of making an album, there's really no rush in putting those out. Those are just sort of, you know, I hate to say it, but they're kind of also rands compared to the parodies. I mean, the parodies are really what uh, bring the fans in to the album, and then they discover the originals later. So, you know, there's there's uh, the originals are not so current, and there's not such a, a time schedule on those. Uh, whatever the single is, that's usually a very last-minute thing. And sometimes, well, in the case of Handy on Mandatory Fun, that was a very last-minute thing. I remember Al got permission on a Friday, uh, and we were in the studio the next morning. We were in the studio uh, on that Saturday, and uh, it was in the beginning of June, and uh, that signified also that the album would be able to be released on July 15th. So that was a little bit of a rush. Uh, we kind of knew it was coming, uh, but we didn't, you know, we didn't have the go-ahead to actually go and, and get working on it. And uh, so that, uh, you know, there was almost no time on that. I mean, it was very immediate. Drumming seems to be a pretty focused job on stage. How difficult is it to incorporate comedy into your performance? Well, the extent of my comedy really uh, on stage is uh, more about whatever costume I'm wearing or if I have to uh, make a funny sound effect or something like that. Uh, really, my main job is, is about playing the drums and, and really tying everyone in with the video, which kind of dominates the show these days. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, we're synced up pretty heavily, both audio and video-wise, uh, in order to do what we do, and, and that's kind of my job is to keep everyone synced up with that. So I, I don't know, you know, comedy persona. I don't know that I really have one so much as, you know, yeah, I get to wear a silly hat or, you know, something like that or, or make a funny sound, but, you know, we, we really leave the funny stuff to Al. He's the focus of the show, and uh, I don't think any of us have any illusions about, uh, uh, you know, having any kind of comedy agenda up there. It's really all about Al. 
As a man of many musical styles, is there a genre that you are most comfortable with or happier to play? You know, I do play a lot of styles with Al, but from a drumming perspective, it's really a lot of two and four. I mean, a lot of it is very kind of straight-ahead stuff. You know, the, the things that define the style more often than, than what the drums do is what the bass and the keyboards and the guitar do. Uh, percussion, things like that. Drums are very often straight ahead. So people say I can play a lot of styles, and it's more like, well, I can play to a lot of styles. I mean, I really, you know, I'm, I'm not doing a whole lot different, you know, from song to song, you know, than some of the other guys are on stage. It's really their responsibility to define the style. That's not to say that everything's a piece of cake. I did actually have uh, a little bit of trouble with the Grapefruit Diet, a parody of Zoot Suit Riot. I'm really not kind of a big band swing type drummer so that that kind of very fluid playing and and uh you know just the the feel really isn't something i did i mean i, I really had to practice that who's that waddling down the street it's just me because i love to eat fudge and twinkies and deviled ham who's real flabby yes i I ran into the drummer, Tim Donahue, uh, from the Cherry Papa Daddies. And uh, before we did the song, I said, "This we're doing your song. It's gonna, it's really hard. He says, no, it's not hard. It's easy. Now, he can play that stuff, so of course it's not hard for him. But uh, I, I had to work especially hard on that, and I did okay. Uh, you know, now we played that uh, on tour, and uh, I did get better at it. You know, sometimes it would be cool to actually work something up on the road, then go in and record it, and... Uh, you know, once we've actually got it down and we're comfortable with it. But we really, we don't work that way. Do you have any favorite memories or experiences from your extensive travels with the band? Well, every tour brings some new memories. Uh, we explore new territory. This last year, uh, we went to Europe uh, and, and explored uh, much further than we did when we went a few years ago just to England and, and to uh, uh, Amsterdam. You know, so, so those are memorable experiences. I mean, it's hard to say there's a favorite. But, uh, you know, those are, those are things that uh, are, are really cool. I mean, really getting, uh, getting to see the world, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's really what's cool about traveling around, uh, is seeing places and meeting people and playing for new audiences. I mean, we did a lot of that in 2015, and we'll be playing to a lot of new audiences in 2016. We're playing uh, a lot of venues and cities we've never played before. And that's cool. That's that's kind of exciting. Uh, you know, as far as what goes on on the road, any stories and stuff, not really. I mean, we're out there working. You know, we're not the kind of band that has groupies coming around. I mean, we're not a rock band in that sense. You know, I mean, for it's just, we're not that kind of band. You know, so so nothing really that stands out. You know, if if I write a book one of these days, you know, that's probably going to be a very, very short chapter. Al has previously expressed hesitation over playing large festivals. Do you share his scruples concerning crowds who aren't specifically fans of your act? I understand the festival thing. I mean, that's really not our crowd. Uh, we did some festivals in Australia uh, over New Year's, in fact, and uh, it's hard to say that anybody was really there to see us. Now, that's not to say that the audience didn't love us, but uh, we're really exploring new territory when we're playing in front of people that didn't come to see us. And and that's, uh, you know, you would think that's hard, but we've got a very, very good show. And uh, I got to say, they loved it. They really enjoyed the show. And, you know, hopefully we're familiar enough with the music and hopefully had a sense of humor. I mean, I don't think anybody got up and walked out. So I, I think we did fine. 
you know, as far as playing to a big audience, as far as stage fright, uh, you know, I really don't have that uh, so much. I mean, I'm more likely to be nervous in front of 10 people than in front of 10,000. I'm just, I'm sort of in my own world up there. I mean, I'm aware that there's a big audience out there, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I've got a job to do, you know, and, and I'm confident in, in, you know, we know the show very well. And so there's, uh, you know, I'm not really concerned about messing up. Uh, I mean, it's always in the back of my mind, but I don't, you know, I, I don't live under that for two hours a night. You know, I just, I do the show. I have a good time. Uh, I know I'm doing it well. And uh, unless there's a complete train wreck, you know, we just sort of cruise through it and uh, have a good time, you know, and enjoy. So I don't know that really that, that anybody up there has stage fright, uh, you know, even playing in front of a hometown crowd, you know, with family and, and friends and stuff that you know, have known me for years and years. I don't really, it's just kind of, it's just part of the show. It's just something I do. An interesting faucet, facet, is it faucet? Faucet, facet, an interesting facet of your position in this group, I'm leaving all that in, is that you serve as the historian of all things Weird Al Yankovic. Just how extensive is your collection of Al merchandise? What's the rarest piece in your collection, and what's the most absurd? The uh, audio and video stuff that I have, uh, probably I got about 1,600 pieces. That's promo items and retail items, uh, really from around the world. Stuff issued by the labels, uh, different distributors, uh, you know, uh, things, of course, from other countries. Sometimes just, there's different artwork uh, on uh, on a CD or album. Um, but I've got a lot more than just audio and video. I've got uh, posters from the gigs we do. I've got uh, magazine clippings. I've, I've got uh, props from videos. Uh, you know, maybe some of the rarest stuff I've got, uh, go, get back to the audio and video, you know, those kind of things that are probably more available to more people. Probably the rarest stuff are the Dr. Demento shows. Uh, where Al had, uh, you know, was interviewed on the shows, those all went into the archive. Uh, originally, they were on tape, and uh, later they were uh, on LP, later they were on CD, of course. And those are rare because, you know, there might have been only 175, 200 copies of each because they just went out to the radio stations that carried the show. And a lot of those uh, were probably thrown out. You know, I don't know how many people at the stations, you know, would have uh, decided to hang on to those. You rarely see those things on eBay. Uh, so I would say, you know, there's, there's not more than a handful of those and I'm not even sure Al's got the Demento shows. I mean, he'll get them, you know, from the archive someday, but, um, you know, that's, that's sort of a cool thing. And I'm glad I was around. I worked for the company that syndicated the show, uh, Westwood one. So I was able to grab those things as they happened. So that was in a position that, uh, you know, that a lot of people weren't. And, uh, you know, that's why I have those things. Um, you know, the, the most absurd thing I've got, you know, it wouldn't be an audio video thing, but probably the craziest thing I've got is, uh, the, the vinyl banner that stretched across the Pantages theater marquee, uh, here in Los Angeles, uh, when we played there a few years ago. Um, I, I got the banner and it's like a 40 foot long banner, uh, you know, at six or seven feet high or eight feet or something. It's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> It's, uh, I don't know if Al's seen it in person other than the day we did the show. I don't, I'm not even sure he knows I have it, but uh, he'll get it someday. And it's, uh, you could wrap a house in it. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. That's that's probably the wackiest, most needless thing that I had to have in the archive. But, of course, I had to have it. If, hypothetically, the days of recording new music is over and the days of touring would be ending soon, what would that mean for John Bermuda Schwartz? Well, certainly it's all going to come to an end someday. I don't want to be doing this when I'm 90. Oh, maybe I do. I don't know. 
that might be cool. You know, it would be old Al Yankovic, I guess. Um, you know, I, I, I hope it doesn't end too soon. I mean, I'm still having a good time. Uh, the audiences are still coming out there. Uh, I still enjoy it. And, and uh, you know, I, at such time when I stop doing that with Al... Uh, you know, and if I don't find another touring situation, I mean, that would be ideal. I still like playing out and traveling, but if that doesn't happen, I'll continue to play with local bands. I'm still going to be Bermuda. Um, you know, maybe I'll write my book. Um, maybe I'll go to work for a musical instrument company. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, none of us are very young. We'll be collecting social security soon. So there'll be some money coming in. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I want to play. Uh, as long as I can, and and I'd like that to be with Al. And if it's not, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna try. I'm still gonna go out there and do gigs as long as people have me. Finally, the question I ask to everyone that I interview on this podcast: What is your personal favorite Weird Al Yankovic song? Well, I get asked that all the time, and I probably should have an answer by now. But that's the absolute toughest question to answer. Uh, you know, I I like basically everything we do. Uh, I tend to like the newest material more. Uh, just because it's more current, um, you know, just because maybe we're we're pushing the production and, and technology a little bit more. It's, it's sometimes a little, it's a little more exciting. Um, so everything on Mandatory Fun is great for me. You know, I, I love that album. Uh, Word Crimes is a great song. Uh, that really should have been a single. Uh, but I, you know, I like uh, the older stuff as much. I love Genius in France. I love Down, Don't Download the Song. Uh, that Boy Could Dance. I mean, it's really, it's kind of all over the map. I mean, there's really no right answer, unfortunately. And there you have it, folks. John Bermuda Schwartz. Bye. He's leaving. No. I think if he left, if he if this was in person and he left, I wouldn't say bye like a like a dingaling. You ever do something and just be like, "Boy, I was a real dingaling just then." Do you say it out loud when you when you do a dingaling thing so that everybody hears you and like, "Yeah, you're a dingaling," or do you just think it? Do you have an interpersonal moment, an inner monologue, as they call it? How often are you a dingaling? Oh, I'm interviewing you now, listener. Are you ever a dingaling? What'd you think about that interview? You can let me know over on the Me Talking Weird Out to You Twitter. Uh, by the way, you probably hear my chair squeaking, and I apologize for that. The It's called Talking Weird Owl to You. Or is it Talking Owl to You? Adam, what's it called? Talking Owl to You. It's at Talking Owl to You on Twitter. Or you can drop that information on the new uh, Weird Mountain Twitter. Do what you want to do, man. Listen, get a hold of us any way that you know how. That the aforementioned Weird Al Twitter is probably the best because I check it on mostly a day-to-day basis. Um, and I hope that this spawns future uh, good interviews. Now I can say, hey, you want to be on this podcast about Weird Al? And the comedian most of the time goes no or doesn't answer. But then I can go, I had John Bermuda Schwartz. And a lot of them are going to be like, who's that now? But a few of them are going to be like, oh, Weird Al's drummer. Uh, yeah, sure. I hope. I hope that's what they say. I hope they say, yeah, sure. Now, am I just using John? In that sense, yes. But no, I actually did want to talk to him. I was very excited about that, and it was a, a big thing. How many people, how many other people can say that they had him on this podcast? Like, 12? That's not that many. In the grand scheme of things, is that that many? Now I'm screaming. I wish there was somebody else in the room that I could talk to. I'm not used to just sitting, talking by myself. That's a lie. I do, I do it every time I'm in the car. 
with the radio turned all the way up and my window down because I'm an idiot and a dingling. And to all my other fellow dinglings out there, thank you again. Join us again next time. I'm not going to say next week, but um, we're going to do hardcore Weird Al talk forever and ever on this podcast. Check out the other podcasts on this network. Episodes of the new game board gaming one with Daniel are coming out. That's uh, Game of Boards. Nerd Talk is happening over there at Two Minutes of Nerd. They're thinking about changing that, changing that title, so if that changes, I'm sorry. For for my money, I know it's called Two Minutes of Nerd for right now. Um, and then you've got Nerd is the Word. You've got Real Big Fix. You've got Weird Mountain, my other podcast. Go listen to those until you get your next fix of Weird Al. I promise you it'll be just as engaging as this, but not about Weird Al. Sometimes I'll slip it in to keep the other guys on their toes, but not all the time. Listen, I love you guys. You support me throughout this weird endeavor, this Weird Al endeavor. And uh, I cannot believe that people would listen to me talk for more than a couple minutes. My wife certainly doesn't. Hey, anyway, I'll see you later. I'm here for the rest of the week. My name's Dakota Rimmer. Join me again next time on Me Talking Weird Al to You. And you know what to do until then. Dare to be stupid. Hey! Me Talking Weird Al to You is part of the Weird Mountain Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at TalkingAl2U or join the conversation on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash Weird Mountain Podcast. There, Darren, that's a new outro for you. It's like a network thing now or something.